Good morning, church. So good to be with you again, multiple weeks into this journey, uh, uncharted territory. But, you know, I, I tell you, we should thank God today. It looks like all the reporting that's coming out is that uh, the virus has been suppressed, that it's receding, and then hopefully uh, by midsummer into summer, um, COVID could be a thing of our past, at least in this context that we know it here today. And, you know, um, things are coming back online, hope for the future. And I just can't wait to be back in person, speaking, encouraging, loving on, shaking, hands, more elbows, fists, maybe stuff like that. But uh, I just can't wait to be back with everybody here in a couple of weeks, I believe. And uh, man, we're going to have to have a massive party when we get back together. But as we jump into this conversation today, you know, one of the things I wanted to kind of jump into is this conversation around belief. And, you know, sometimes in life, I don't know if you've ever been in a position where somebody would just not believe you. Yeah, and you had to like almost, you had to go into convincing mode on something specific, you know. Uh, maybe for you is like somebody just wouldn't believe you that you worked for this specific agency or this specific place. Or maybe back in the day, somebody wouldn't believe you that you had this like weird uh, ability to do something. You know, you were double jointed and you could throw your arm behind your back or your thumb out of position. You, know, you should, they wouldn't believe you. Um, maybe it was tied to like you met somebody and you got a picture with a celebrity and like, oh my God, you met them. Or others, maybe it's you're related to that person. I can't believe that. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And you had to pull out pictures and show them on Facebook. Like, no, really, that's my brother. Or no, I'm really, that's my cousin. And they just wouldn't believe it, you know, and this idea around belief, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to an individual and uh, in our conversation, he said, I, I work for the Space Force. And I tell you, in that moment, I'm like, wait, what? Space Force? I'm like freaking out. I didn't understand. I've never like, I know this is so new. It's such a new thing that has been launched out. And in that moment, that's the last thing I'm thinking somebody's going to say. And I'm just like floored. I'm like, wait, really? do you really work for the Space Force? The Space Force. And lo and behold, I mean, he's talking about all the things that he does and how he does it and what he, you know, it's just, and I'm starting to believe him as he's convincing me. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. You work for the Space Force. But I just remember thinking like, oh my God, it's crazy. Like, it's hard to believe sometimes. Some of these things are just really hard to believe. And unless we have belief, you know, maybe we won't necessarily respond. You know, we don't necessarily um, take it as a truth and, and maybe honor or respect or, you know, whatever it may be for an individual or something based on our belief. You know, you think about this. Two years ago, somebody comes to you and says, hey, there's going to be a pandemic. It's going to be a global pandemic and uh, it's going to encompass the world and people are going to have to distance themselves from each other and they're going to have to quarantine themselves to their house and, you know, it's going to shut down the world. You would have looked at that person and said, you are absolutely crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. What are you talking about? Why are you trying to spread fear like that? Are you kidding me? Now, somebody came to you today and said, hey, do you think a pandemic could cross the globe and, you know, shut down the world and, you know, shut down economies and everything? You would probably, I mean, you would say yes. Why? Because of your experience. You would say that because of your experience. 
You know, I, I think and looked at this lens, you know, talking last week about Jesus, what he said, and then ultimately what happened. And a lot of people lived in disbelief and, you know, really looking on the other side of the cross from a disciple's perspective, a person that looked to Jesus, um, looking through this lens, I can understand uh, where they would be in a place. I'm like, maybe this wasn't all true. Maybe it wasn't all true. And, and really when we jump on the other side of the cross, that's where this all picks up and, and looking in here around belief. You know, the first thing I want to start with is belief inside of our lives is the bedrock of, our, of the direction of our lives. So belief in, is the bedrock of our life's direction. Whatever we believe ultimately determines the way in which our life, you know, the direction of our lives, how, how we do things, what we do, how we conduct ourselves, you know, everything about it's, it's determined, determined by our beliefs. What do we believe ultimately determines how we live. It's the direction of our lives. You know, you think about what you believe about morality will, will drive your character. If you believe that there's morals that a person should live according to a set standard of values, then ultimately that's going to determine if you believe in a certain set of morality, then that's going to drive ultimately your character. Your morality is going to drive your character, how you live your life, your decisions on a daily basis. You think uh, what you believe about personal responsibility is going to, destroy, going to drive your work ethic. If you have a personal responsibility, then it's going to drive your work ethic. You think about what you believe, like your worldview, like how the world should operate, uh, how things should happen. That's going to drive, you know, ultimately maybe your political views, who, who you're voting for. Um, you think about sexuality. What you believe about sexuality is ultimately going to drive your purity, how you conduct yourself sexually. Um, another thing would be how you, uh, what you believe about respect, will determine how you live a life of honor. Do you respect other people? Well, then you're gonna honor people. You're gonna respect them for who they are. And uh, the same thing would be about your idea around authority. What you believe about authority is gonna ultimately determine uh, your obedience inside of your life. How do you live as a law-abiding citizen or how do you live in alignment with the authorities that are inside of your life? Belief drives the direction of our lives. How do we conduct, conduct ourselves is determined by our beliefs. And today, you know, that's a, it's a massive question, especially at the time when Jesus is raised to life. This is a massive question. Because if you truly believe that he was raised to life, it has massive implications now on how you live your life. You know, it has a massive implication on what we should do. And here we go on the story when Jesus, the, the day uh, he was raised to life, Sunday, raised to life. In Matthew 28, there's women that run to the tomb and they're thinking, man, how are we going to roll the stone away? What is this going to look like? But ultimately they get there. The stone is already rolled away. They walk into this tomb and they're encountered by an angel. And he, he confronts them to say, hey, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Well, he's not here. He's been raised to life. And in shock, they're like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. But there's some interesting things that they say inside of here to, that they should go do. Uh, in Matthew 28, verse number uh, five, it says, the angel spoke to the woman and said, don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Amen. Come on, somebody. 
just as he said uh, said it would happen, come and see where his body was laying. And man, they, they were able to view it. It says, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Go and tell the disciples, tell them to Galilee, go to Galilee. They're in Jerusalem. Tell them to leave Jerusalem, go to Galilee. Um, Jesus is going to meet them there. And remember what I'm telling you to do. It's like you know, bringing some importance to it. Verse number eight says, the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. Come on, how cool is that? Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped uh, uh, for his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Leave for Galilee and they will see me there. You know, Jesus has this moment where uh, he encounters these women. These women are going to, you know, take these spices, take these things, uh, give Jesus a proper burial. But what they're confronted with is the reality and the truth that Jesus was raised from the dead. I mean, what greater, what greater messengers than angels to be confronted by angels that appear and show you? Maybe there was disbelief, but man, there can be no disbelief when the clear evidence is right in front of you. His body is not here and there's angelic creatures standing right in front of here telling me this. How incredible is this? I mean, they go from like, we're gonna give him a proper burial. He wasn't raised to life. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna do what's right for him and we loved him. Oh, to, oh my gosh, it's true. And we got to go tell these people. We got to go tell the disciples to get out of Jerusalem, go to Galilee. Jesus is going to meet them there. You know, it's this profound moment, this incredible moment. This is where belief is coming alive. It's this beautiful moment in time where belief in Jesus as Messiah is coming alive. The second thing I would say is belief carries a conviction to respond. When you have a belief and you, you believe it, you know it as a truth, not based on what you heard, but based on what you've experienced, it carries a responsibility to respond. If you believe, if you truly believe that morality drives, you know, there's moral values, then it's going to drive you. You're going to respond with decisions on a daily basis for integrity and character to be lived out inside of your life. If you think about, man, if you truly believe, um, that there's a responsibility to care for your family, that you have a personal responsibility to use your talents and the gifts that God has given you and work hard in some manner, some fashion, some industry. If you truly believe that, then you're gonna respond every single day to work hard with the talent God has given you and put yourself in a position where, man, you can receive back a good wage for what you have done, the effort in which you've placed. You think about sexuality. If you truly believe that God has given us direction on what sexuality looks like and sexual orientation looks like, then that's gonna determine on a daily basis your purity and your conviction to respond properly about your sexuality and your purity within that perspective. Man, you think about with honor, you know, if you truly believe that man, respect and honor, if you truly believe that God has placed authority in your life, you're gonna live a life of kindness and care and respect for other people. You're gonna live a life of honor of people in authority. That is the way you're gonna live your life. Because when you have a belief, 
it drives, that belief carries the conviction to respond. You're going to respond that way. And what I love about this is Jesus understands that belief is in question right now. Belief is in question. Everybody's questioning. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus doesn't leave us in a questioning state. I love about Jesus that Jesus in this story is going to confront those that are in disbelief, those that are in a place of, uh, of um, in a place where they're trying to figure out, is it true? Maybe it's not true. A place of, of questioning. Jesus goes and confronts them. And I truly believe this, that no matter where we are at inside of life, Jesus is going to interact and engage us in order to meet us where we are at, to drive us to a place of understanding that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that we are never alone, that he has sent the Holy Spirit to be here with us. As the story goes on in here, I'll flip over to the book of Luke and, and Jesus is moving, he's, he's, uh, he's engaged uh, the women, Mary Magdalene and, and, and another Mary, and he's engaged them and they're going to tell these disciples, but there's also the walk to Emmaus that's, that's going on subsequently with this. And in Luke 24, in verse number 13, it says, the same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. They, were, they walked along, or as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept, uh, but God kept them from recognizing him. So their eyes couldn't see uh, who he was. And he goes on to say, um, in verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there uh, the last few days. Which you find in this story, Jesus is interacting with these two women, but a key statement inside of here is, they stopped short and sadness was written across their face. And they're about to reveal where this sadness is coming from, where their questioning is going to be. In. You know, what, what does this look like for them? You know, he goes on to say, he says, what things? Jesus just comes back like, what things happened in Jerusalem? They said, these things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. A key statement here, verse 21, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Sadness on their face. Man, sadness on their face. Man, we hoped that he was this person. You know, he would go on and, and at this moment in time, Jesus would get a little, you know, he says, you, you, you foolish people. I mean, he says they're foolish. And he goes on to say, didn't you know that these things were predicted? That he would be handed over, he would be beaten, that he'd be crucified, but he would be raised to life. He calls them foolish people. And then he began to walk him through all the Old Testament prophecy, prophecies and man, just gave him a clear understanding of, of the events that happened and why they happened. And man, they're just learning so much and so much so they're like, hey, stay with us tonight. And he, he's like, okay, hey, I'll stay with you. And as they broke bread that night, immediately their eyes were opened up and they saw Jesus for who he was and immediately he disappeared. 
Jesus in sadness and, oh my gosh, is this it? And in disbelief and all of this. I love that Jesus is inter- interacting with people. Jesus is engaging people. Jesus is confronting people. Jesus is not going to allow people that are in questioning to live in questioning. He's going to answer the question. And I pray today, man, that this is our reality. My prayer that as we may sit here today, if we are in disbelief, Jesus would meet us in our disbelief. Jesus would meet us in our disbelief here today to articulate to us, to walk events out inside of our lives, to bring clarity to man. Haven't you seen my hand at work in your life? Haven't you seen that I've been behind the scenes the whole time? Haven't you seen that I've protected you and I've comforted you and I've been with you and I've blessed you and I've given you up? Haven't you seen all of this? I love that Jesus is engaging individuals. You know, that as the story would go on, Jesus not just engaged these women, but he also engages his disciples. As he said, go to Galilee and I'll meet you there. Luke 24, verse 35, this is this encounter, this incredible encounter that Jesus has uh, with his disciples. You know, uh, it says in verse number uh, 35, it says, then the two from Emmaus told uh, their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him when he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, Jesus says. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. So get the picture. These women that encountered Jesus are telling their story, man. They're, they're so stoked. They saw the risen Jesus. They were in disbelief and sad, and we thought he was this and all. But it goes immediately. They encountered it, disbelief, experience, belief. Now they're stoked about it. And as they're telling the story with these disciples, immediately Jesus appears right there among them. Peace be with you, he says. And in in disbelief still, it says, but the whole group was startled and frightened thinking they were seeing a ghost. Verse 38 says, why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies. As you see that today, or as you see I do, as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. So Jesus, in the middle of this group, saddened, disbelieved, now all of a sudden it's like, wait, what, you had this encounter? And he appears and they're like, oh my God, is this a ghost? And he's like, I'm not a ghost, I'm a man. I was raised to life. Check out the nails, check out the scars, look. I'm not a ghost. I'm alive. And he engages them. Verse 41 goes on to say, still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. In disbelief. Oh my gosh, this can't be true. In disbelief, this can't be true. But there was a sense of joy easing into their hearts. A sense of wonder. Oh my gosh. I tell you, in disbelief, man, God, I mean, Jesus, God is confronting us and coming to us and wherever, whatever questions we have. I love about this story that there's engagement to bring belief, engagement to give experience on what is true. What is the reality? They're coming to this place where Jesus is engaging them that all that they thought was not, all that they may be disbelieved is now being believed. And it goes on to say inside of here, then, then he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? 
they gave him a piece of boiled fish and he ate it as they watched right there in front of him. He's fully man. He's fully alive. He has been raised from the dead, just as he said he would. The last thing I want to leave you with is, if it is true, we have something to do. If it is true that Jesus was raised from the dead, then you and I have something to do. This is the purpose of what Jesus was doing. Jesus could have been raised to life. He could have went to the right hand of the Father. He could have been up there and said, hey, I told him three times that this was going to happen. I told him in Matthew 12 that Jonah went into the belly of the fish for three days, so does the Son of Man have to go into the earth for three days. He, he could sit up there and say, they should know. They, I mean, they saw me, they, they, they heard me say it. I told them, they saw the miracles. They should know. But Jesus doesn't do that. He's raised to life knowing that they would be in a place of disbelief and then he engages them for the purpose of what? I'm going to give you experience that will completely dispel all your questions and that you would believe. Because when there's belief, man, there's a conviction to respond. When there is belief, that carries responsibility. And here Jesus would engage them. Jesus would engage them to give them clarity. Now, if this is true, your experience with me is true, then there's something for you to do. There's an impact on our daily lives. There's an impact on our choices. There's an impact on how we approach people. There's an impact on what we do in our private. There's an impact on how, uh, how we engage the world, like how we go into the world. There's an impact. If it is true, there is something we have to do. There's something we need to do. If it is true, if Jesus is raised to life, then he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the son of God. He is the savior and the Messiah. And with that, we have something to do. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, this is what Jesus tells his disciples. Jesus confronts his disciples after their experience. He hangs out with them. He's with them. He's there. He's engaged with them. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If it's true, we got something to do. We have something, we have to be something and we got to do something. If it is true, then everything Jesus said and how we should conduct ourselves is how we should, how Jesus lived is how we should live. Yeah, I get it today that maybe we can live here today and say, you know what? You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Okay. I've had an old dog and I'll just tell you the truth. I taught her new tricks. <laughs> and I'll tell you with a supernatural God, he can do anything that he wants to do with a willing life. If you open up your heart, 
Say, God, I have a struggle. I have a need. I have areas of my life here today that, God, I'm not proficient in. I have areas that I need you to transform. I have areas of my life that today I need you to uh, help me work on. I'm just not the person that I, I know I should be. I know how Jesus lived, but I'm not necessarily living up to that life. I know how Jesus, you know, what Jesus' expectation on me is. And I just, I know I'm not living up to that expectation. I know who he's called me to be and I know what he's called me to do. I'm just not living up to it. I'll tell you today, if you are that person, as we, I think we all are, there's areas of our lives that we can work on. If we believe that he is, he is the Messiah, he's the Savior and Messiah, if we believe that he was raised to life, we have something to do today then. And I'll tell you, we can't just put this off, especially at this moment in time, this critical moment in history. The world has questions. The world is wondering. The world's life has been turned upside down. And with that, like every big event in history, comes questions. And the great thing is, is with the resurrection, we know we have hope, as we talked about last week, for eternal life. We know our eternal security is good. But with that, we have a message that has the ability to transform the world. And in a critical time like this, in our disbelief, or maybe in our questions, as we saw with Jesus, he engaged them. He engaged his disciples to say, you're in disbelief, but let me help you with that disbelief. Let me help, help you with your belief. Let me help you get this experience. I am alive. What I said is true. And with that, go into the world and make disciples, teaching them all that I've taught you to do. Teach them. Come on, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Know that I'm going to be with you always. Know that I'm going to be here with you always. One of my favorite scriptures is Acts 1.8. That Jesus said, hey, now I can send you the Holy Spirit, the latter part of uh, Matthew. But in Acts, where Luke picks up on this story, in Acts 1.8, this is the movement of the church. This is the movement of the way, the movement of Christians. It says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you are going to go into Jerusalem and Samaria um, into the ends of the earth. You're going to go. You have this responsibility now based on what you believe because you believe that I have been raised to life. You've seen me. You have touched the scars. You believe this now. And it comes with the responsibility now to go. Be ready. Be willing to go. Every single disciple except for John was crucified, was killed, lost their life. They became martyrs. Why? Because they believed that he was the way, truth, and life. And they would not go back on that truth. Even when confronted with death, they would not go back on that truth. Their conviction led them to a life that put them in a precarious position where people desired to take their life and they still would not denounce their faith. They still would not back down because it carried a response. If it was true, then they had something to do. And the same thing is true with you and I. You know, at the age of 17, I came to this place where I stopped believing a lie about myself, that what has happened to me, it was going to dictate how I live. And I started believing what has happened for me is going to dictate my life. It's not what has happened to me that is going to dictate how I live. It's going to be happened. It's going to be what's happened for me that's going to dictate my life. And I'll tell you today, what we know, Jesus has given his life for you. And if that is true, he has given his life. He has laid down his life. He took your sins and my sins upon the cross, if that is true, then we are free men. You know, who 
who is condemning us, right? No one's condemning us. He didn't come to judge the world. He came to save the world. And if that is true, then you and I can live free and live a life here today that represents who God is for this world, especially at a time like this. You know, you can live from what has happened to you or you can, ha- you can live based on what's done, been done for you. And I pray today and I, as our church community, I'm saying, get ready, get ready, church. Maybe here, you are here today saying like, I can't, I can't change, I can't do this, I can't. If it's true, then we got something to do. Maybe it's getting your life in order here today. Maybe today you got to say, I got to work on these areas of my life. I'm not just, I'm not living up to the life of Christ. I'm not living up to the, the, the standards of God, man. I got to get better. And with that today, you got to get ready for what's coming. This could be the greatest revival that we have ever seen in the, our lifetimes in maybe even our parents' lifetime for the church. People have questions and Jesus can use us to engage and give the answers. People can use us in order to bring community and relationship to people that are desperate, that are hurting, that are seeking hope for their future. Wherever you're at today, belief drives the direction of our lives. Belief has a responsibility. And I'll tell you today, belief If it is true that Jesus gave his life for us, that he willingly laid it down to pay the price for our sins, and in the revelation of that, he is the Savior Messiah, then you and I have something to do. What we believe drives our life. Come on, church. Let's step into a time of worship here today. As man, we begin to think about how can we live and do and be all that God has designed us to be because of what has been done. What has been done. Come on, let's worship together here today. It was so good to have you tuned in right here today for this message. I pray that you are encouraged and you are strengthened inside of your faith. Man, you are confident here today in in accomplishing what God has laid out for you to do as a believer, whatever sphere of influence that you are in. I pray that you are ready to get it done. Now, our kids experience is coming up next. Make sure you jump online, get your kids around. They'll be encouraged to get ready for their week. Outside of that, keep on making a difference in the world in which God has destined you to lead in. Have a great week.